Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by Seek Geek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. We got our first mailbag of the offseason. What's going on, Justin? First mailbag of the offseason. We've been missing Steve. You've, I know people miss Steve. They love Steve. They missed him. Yeah, it's not like we got a one-star rating recently saying the music sucks on this podcast. That guy, I want to punch him in the face because wow. does he not realize that the intros have to do... like? The songs tie into whatever the theme of the episode is. It's not just me picking my favorite songs. If it was my favorite songs, it'd be reggae and folk every single episode. Yeah, if it were my show, it would be just my favorite songs. But no, Bobby Skinner does a good job of picking the songs to fit the vibe. And I figured uh, Steve, you know, we figured Steve from Blues Clues too. That was a thing that happened. That was even going on before I was co-host of Talking Giants. Hi. The first ep- the first mailbag yes. episode, I sang the Steve from Blues Clues thing, yes. and I realized that didn't work. Can you do it and again? Like, maybe. May, uh, here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to scream the whale. Here's the man. First of all, it makes me want to wag my tail. Wag Hi, my Bobby tail. Skinner. Um, I'm good. I'm glad that. You know, we're creeping up on the weekend. This is our first official weekend without the beautiful sport of football. Um, this is like a weird part of the offseason where we're still running around like chickens without a head. You know, it's you know, we're we're all in draft stuff. You know, Giants are getting ready for free agency, you know, trying to get ready to, you know, cut some people and change up, shape up this roster. Weird, weird part of the offseason. Low point, but we're attacking draft stuff. How are you? Yeah, I'm just going all in on draft stuff right now, yeah, getting draft stuff done, trying to get breakdowns done. Um, and But I am getting ready for my annual Daytona trip, so I'm excited about Ooh, that. Oh, yeah, I'm excited for you. Before we get into the mailbag, uh, this episode was brought to you by one special patron, Jonathan Osborne, who is the son of Ozzy Osborne. Actually, no, the grandson of Ozzy Osborne. Uh, Justin, who 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 is Ozzy Osbourne's grandson? Harry Osbourne, Norman Osbourne, a lot of good Osbournes. Romain Osbourne was the number one three point shooter in the state for my high school, and he was like had the least success in college basketball at the starting lineup. That's how good my high school basketball team was. Mister Osbourne, the Green Goblin, went to patreon.com slash talking giants two dollars a month plus some other tiers. He had to hang out with us live while we record the shows. He get access to monthly shirt raffles, except it's two times a month. And Bobby Skinner will send you some stickers, magnets in the mail. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. Thanks for our patrons. All right, Justin, anything, any news we need to catch up on before? Andrew Thomas has had ankle uh, surgery. Yes, which shout out to Anthony Bordenaro, you know, um, our resident weatherman in Georgia. I always think he's in Florida, but he's in Georgia. Um, He DM'd me a picture of Andrew Thomas on Instagram. I think it was somebody's Instagram story. It was Thomas's Instagram story. Might have been his, and he bought a house, and he had a boot on his foot. And that explains that. All right. Take it away, Steve. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. All right, thanks, Steve from Blues Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail. First question is coming from Ben Butler at Ben Butler 7 
Kafka spoke about the Giants having their own offense and not a carbon copy of the Bills or the Chiefs. What elements from those offenses would you like to see Big Blue bring over? And if our offense could be known for one thing, i.e. power run deep threat, what would you like it to be? I'll let you answer the one thing question. What I would say, bringing over from Brian Dable and Mike Kafka, uh, from Brian Dable, which is the thing I like most about his offense in the Air Perkins, is being concept-based, where it's a lot of like, hey, we can run this out of any formation with any type of personnel. We can run this formation as attacking zones, high to low read, like stuff like Sale, Mills, uh, Levels, just just concept-based plays where it's like you can run it with any type of personnel to attack zones. It leaves guys wide open. You know, puts uh, pressure on defenses to cover Kenny Galladay deep. And if they're not going to cover Kenny Galladay deep, well, we're going to we're going to throw the ball to Kenny Galladay deep. He's going to be the number one progression as going to be the deep player in Kenny Galladay. And if they double cover that, well, now we got a decision on who's underneath. You know, that was Garrett did a little bit of that stuff, but not enough the way uh, Pat Shermer had done. So those high to low three level reads is the thing that I'm really excited to see out of Brian Dable. And then Mike Kafka, I would say, putting a focus on Kadarius Tony. Really getting Kadarius Tony. I think Kadarius Tony should be, and I put the disclaimer on as always, when healthy, the number one part of this offense. Like, out of the players that are on the roster, Kadarius Tony, I think clearing away, should be the number one focus of the offense. And that I don't think that's taking a shot at Kenny Galladay, but it's Tony can change a game the way no one else on the roster can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Tony is a guy that can in in an ideal world be leading the team in receptions and be both the security blanket for Daniel Jones, insert whatever quarterback you want the Giants to have for the future, and then also with the yards after the catch ability, with the yak ability, also being a big play guy, a guy that can get the 15-plus yard plays, 20-plus yard plays with his ability to break tackles and, you know, the ability when after he catches the ball. So, yeah, um, my main thinking is I actually just checked some stats. My main thinking from Kansas City was the the scheme play calls in the red zone and the effectiveness in the red zone. But actually, do you know who was the number one team in terms of red zone conversions into touchdowns this year? Who was the number one team in the National Football League from 2020, 2021? It wasn't the Chiefs? It was not the Chiefs. Who was it? The Bills. The Buffalo Bills. So I was about to give Mike Kafka all that credit, and they do. The Kansas City Chiefs do deserve a lot of credit for the ability to play call and you know score touchdowns. I almost every Chiefs game that I am watching, which is not many, but they are on national television often, and they're in the playoffs. You know, whenever they get to the red zone, you're thinking, oh, they're going to score. Um, and it's not always just through the brute force of their running back and the offensive line getting there. They're able, they're able to design things, you know, that the, the pitch play that Mahomes does to Kelsey. I mean, things like that, the creativity like that in the red zone, it's needed and it's necessary, but also you need execution in the red zone too. The last three games of the regular season, the Kansas City Chiefs had a 71% conversion rate for touchdowns. So that is very, very good. And that's something Daniel Jones in one of like his Super Bowl like press tour uh, Senior Bowl? Meant. Oh, su- oh, Super Bowl, the actual Super Bowl. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because you know he was down, you know he was down there, so I was doing like you know Verizon or whatever. Um, and he talked about with Mike Kath when asked about Mike Kafka, he said like I'm really excited to like you know work on some of his red area concepts. You know? Yeah. So that's and that's that's something that with that was a strength of Daniel Jones's at Duke in his rookie season, his red zone numbers were like elite. Yeah. Like, he had never thrown an interception. And then they kind of went to to shit the the past two years. Not all not all Garrett's fault. I mean, like that throw versus Pittsburgh 
was, you know, a Jones issue. So, you know, they were very good at converting touch, you know, converting touchdowns. And I think it's not even necessary like, oh, because Daniel Jones, was, but it's like, honestly, like trying to get into the end zone when you get to the 25 and not just trying, not getting to the 25 and, and the next goal be getting to the 15. And then settling where, for three. Yeah. Yeah. Like there was a more of an emphasis like, okay, we're down here. Like, let's, let's get into it. I mean, how many times did we give a Darius Slayton a contested catch opportunity from the 25? That's stuff they did with Shermer. And we had Galladay, and we didn't do that. It was huge. We did, I mean, we didn't do that at all until the Philly game. You know, that was the, that was the, that with Freddie Kitchens, that was the only game where it's like, okay, let's, th- and then Jones uh, had bad ball placement on those. This throws. is something that's crazy. When did we ever throw the ball into the end zone from like, I mean, forget the five-yard line. When did we ever throw the ball into the end zone from the 10, 15, 20-yard line? It never happened. But I can name you. all. The, I'm thinking of the Daniel Jones's best drive, maybe of his career, is that Green Bay game where it was snowing in 2019 against the Packers, where that drive ends with the Sterling yeah. Shepard touchdown in the left corner of the end zone. Um, you know that That is a ball that they are throwing into the end zone. You know, and I am Darius Slayton had a, a touchdown against Washington in 2020 where we threw the ball into the end zone when we were at least near the green area. And the Giants were last this year in red zone percentage, red zone scoring percentage, 44.74%. Buffalo was first with 66.28%. Kansas City was 11th, 62.2%. So, yeah, uh, I am excited for. Uh, what these two brains and what these two guys can do, that being Dable and Kafka. Um, I'm excited to see what they can do in the red area. And uh, Tom Clough called it the green area because that's where we got to make our money. How about that, Tom Coughlin? We love you. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, next question. Zach Morris. I forget the mailbag questions in the offseason. We run through a little quicker. Where in the end season, we spend like 15 minutes on one question. Yeah, well, it's all right. I felt like that was good, though. Touched on... Yeah, but I only I only put like nine questions in here. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're gonna run through these pretty quickly. Zach Morris, you ever you like the Facebook page? Zach Morris is trash. Yeah, those those videos are actually pretty like some of those (laughs) like old school like I think it's from Funny or Die. Like I kind of hate some of those videos, but the Zach Morris are trash. Those are pretty hilarious. How they just tie into Zach Morris being Zach Morris being a scumbag. Zach Morris. By the way, that was our first Zach Rosenblatt interview that. That was the uh, intro war. It was Zach Morris is trash. Oh, and then the bell. Yeah. People are like, I hate this song. That one guy who left the review. I'm going to punch you in the face. I have to do it now because you interrupted me. Zach Morris is trash. At Zach Morris 21. If Shane manages to free up as much cap as he's wanting, who would you guys want the team's biggest free agent target to be? For the question, we'll assume the expected big names like Armstead are available. So Armstead... Uh, would be available, but I don't, the Giants aren't going to go and make you know Armstead the highest paid left tackle in football. So you know that's that's not going to happen. Which I, Armstead probably will get and deserves. I mean Armstead's you know coming into this year, I saw people saying Armstead's the best left tackle in football. So you know it's not just him getting paid that way. Which by the way, Nate Solder is gone. And I said, oh yeah, that's I, news. I said I wasn't. I Is was going to be done with Nate Solder tweets, and then I saw people replying to your tweet saying like, "Oh well, it was something they had to do." Oh, and at it, the time, Nate Solder was not that bad, and yeah, they had to do it. It triggers me every time. You look at Andrew Thomas, who I think like led the league in pressures his rookie year. Nate Solder in 2017, which is like the year before he got his contract, like had more, gave up more pressures. That and that was with Tom yeah. Brady as his quarterback. Like he was never. It was always a bad signing, and it's not looking back at it with yeah. hindsight. 
Yeah, a rebuilding team doesn't need to go out and shell out the largest contract to an NFL offensive lineman in history. And people saying, what was the other option? It's like, how about taking offensive line more serious in the draft than Dave Gettleman did instead Boom. of drafting Will Hernandez and calling it a day? Wow. Or yeah. take you know taking the Colts trade. Anyways. Giants learned. So or the Jets trade. I'm going to give you a name. I want Calais Campbell to come to the Giants for a one-year deal. I feel like he's going to be too much. That's, but that would be like a win-now type deal with Calais Campbell. I know. I know. But if it's a one-year deal, and I do think the Giants do need to be in a spot this year where they're not in a good situation cap-wise. They maybe can get in an okay situation cap-wise if they trade Saquon Barkley, possibly shell out James Bradbury, you know, Blake Martinez, uh, Shep, Dixon, all those guys that maybe we'll, we'll look more into. And as it gets closer to the, those guys being cut, we'll talk about it. But Clayus Campbell on a one-year $8 million deal? I, I know it's like a it's a win now type of deal, but if it's not multiple years and if you're not guaranteeing a guy money long term, and this is a guy that's already familiar with Wink Martindale, and if he likes playing in, in his kind of defense, and also he won't be asked to play 80% of the snaps with the Giants because you have Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams, that would entice me. But I think he's gonna have like garner more than that. And I do think Calais Campbell just like wants to win. And I love Fair. Calais Campbell. Miami. I mean, I love Calais Campbell. Wore eighty one at Miami. You know, he's a beast. Like, you know, I think he's one of them. In his prime, was one of the more underrated players in the NFL. To me, I'm looking at guys who can be long term options, but not super expensive. And Lakin Tomlinson, the guard from the 49ers, um, mm. he's one that intrigues me. It's really, I would if there was a position, it would be the interior offensive line. Yeah, because you guys, where... you could get someone on a long term decent deal, and you can. You know, you don't want to backload it by crazy, but backload it a little bit. Connor Williams from the Cowboys is also going to be a free agent that may not de- that may not. I don't. I, again, I don't know. It's it's, just, it's such a crapshoot. May not demand a lot of money. There's the one thing that I did notice while going through you know the rankings of free agents that are available. There is an abundance of centers and guards. So is are all of these centers and guards going to get paid? Three-year, $30 million deals? I don't know. I mean, they're going to they're gonna have to go somewhere. So I would not mind if the Giants, if they're going to spend in quotations in one area, get a, get a little bit of a center and a guard rolling in here, and that'll make me feel better about the draft. Here's a position that really isn't on people's radar, but look at the free agent class for the tight ends, you know? And you like a tight end could be valuable for what they want to do offensively. Like, and and if there's all these guys available, you can get maybe someone here on a two, three year. CJ Uzoma from the Bengals. Like, he's a really, I guess he's not underrated anymore because the Bengals. David Njoku is a free agent too. Yeah, I don't want Njoku. I I wouldn't want him either, but option, cheap. The the big swing would be Dalton Schultz from the Cowboys. I don't know how much he would garner, but he's good. Like, he's good, and, you know, the Cowboys, I'm not sure what their cap situation is like right oh, now. Oh, it's terrible. They're going to have to get rid of Cooper. I mean, the Cowboys are done. Um, so, but so maybe from the tight end room. But at the end of the day, if you're asking me for one, I'm talking, I'm thinking like Lakin Thomas, and I know Ryan Jensen from the Bucks has been yeah. thrown out there. Um, again, I haven't, you know, done like film on all these free agent guys, so I, I always feel uncomfortable talking about them without watching them because that's how you end up with a Nate Solder because 
you know, to the casual fan, Nate Solder seemed like a good signing. But if you went and dived deeper, it was like, oh, no, this is actually a horrible signing. Yeah. Um, you know, James so. Daniels is another guard from the Bears. Um, I would be kind of open to the Giants exploring an edge rusher. Again, one year, I'm looking for one, two-year deals. That's where the Giants should be right now. Like, looking for looking for your Marcus Golden. And even if it's not an edge rusher, just looking for your guy that you can bring in here for one year. Like, we were talking about John Ross. Can John Ross be this year's really good one-year deal? And, you know, for, for what John Ross was expected to do and what he was asked to do, don't think that was bad. I actually think that was a good signing. Just didn't do anything spectacular. Hell, he helped us, uh, helped us win our most important win of the year. Jerry Hughes is an edge rusher from the Buffalo Bills. He's old. He's 33, but he's pretty productive. He's and someone you could be... get on a cheap one-year deal. Yes, yes. Like, so a that's... Three mil, like a three and a half mil or something like that. You know, that's... um, that's That seems more likely than like a Calais Campbell one. Yeah, so that's a guy from Buffalo that Joe Shane could possibly go after. I could see that. Based on how many guys that Joe Shane has already gone after that have worn that have had bills on their helmets. I was going to say, I, if they do get him, I hope he's the first person of free agency. So it could be like five for five of Buffalo. Because we added... <laughs> um. Not Ricky is it's Ricky is it Ricky Pro or Ricky Pro's son? It's his son. This is what's question. his name? Um, but anyways, four for four on Bill's signing so far this offseason. Um, so yeah, but Lakin Tomlinson seems like the one that like yeah. stands out to me the most from the 49ers. Yeah, but right now we ain't signing anyone because we got room to we got work to do in terms of getting this cap space good. All right, next question. This is a fun question from my speech therapist, Ron Swanson. At oh, Ronnie it's a Swanson. neat question. Ronnie Swanson, 69. It's a neat question. Is that your joke of, between you two? Yeah. Which coordinator do you have more confidence in? I want to let you go first because you may sway me. I mean, it's Wink, right? He's done it. He's been proven to do it. Um, he's 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 got uh, some long-term security with the team. So, he, you know, he's not, like, necessarily coaching for his job. Doesn't mean he can't get fired when he's under contract still, but like Wink Martindale's been there, done that. And at the end of the day, Mike Kafka is totally unproven. He's never called a play in his life. Brain says Wink, heart wants to say Kafka. And you can't but, explain why the heart but feels that's a excitement, certain way. Not confidence. Yeah, you know what? Good. That this is why I wanted you to go first. Yes. Cause Wink, there are legitimate fears and i do have legitimate fears about wink uh, i do especially with what does this mean for the secondary what does this mean for the edge room what does this mean for how the giants attack the draft like i was pretty much all in on saying i almost feel like an edge rusher is more important than a right tackle i feel like the giants can get by with a right tackle that is insert Mike Remmers type of player here. You can get by, but we want to fix this offensive line. We don't just want to get by. We want to fix this offensive line and sustain success over time. So do it, and there's a, if there's a tackle in this draft class that you like that's there at five or seven, and there most likely will be, take that freaking guy. But you know, I'm almost thinking to myself, an edge rusher that can really give you value and put up those numbers over a five-year period that's huge. That's huge. And you look at the trends of the NFL, these top-tier edge rushers, they are coming from the first half of the first round. And that's where we're picking this year. And we have two of the and we have two shots at it. So but Wink Martindale doesn't necessarily prioritize that. Where I don't even know if drafting an edge rusher with five or seven, would that guy be worth the pick? Because 
is he going to put up that value that Wink Martindale asked him to do? I don't know. Because these are like system guys that he asked for. So my brain is in time, different spots. A guy who can win one-on-ones consistently does a whole lot for Wink's defense. And yeah. it allows guys to... Like, as much as he's scheming pressure, like, you need guys to win one-on-one, too, which the yeah. Giants haven't been able to do. Like, they couldn't trust any pass rushers to win one-on-one. The only one was really Leonard Williams, and he's coming from the interior. Like, yeah. being able to win one-on-one on the edge is extremely valuable. So, um, you know, we're we're just starting our draft stuff, you know, and that's why I said don't ask us about five and seven because it's like, one, we're going to spend a whole month talking about that in April. So, it's like, you know, we, we're pretty big on not just repeating the same things over and over in the off season. But I can definitely see myself like even Carl office. Like I like, you know, I need to watch him more, but when I watch him for the mid season mock, I put him in there. Yeah, at you seven. took him. Yeah, yeah, you took so. him at seven. So, I mean, here were Matt Judon's years after his rookie year, eight sacks, 19 QB hits, meh. I, I want to see North of 20 QB hits, 2018, seven sacks, 20 QB hits. 2019 was big. Nine and a half sacks, 33 QB hits. Awesome. 2026 sacks, uh, 21 QB hits. Missed some time. 2021 with the Patriots, 12 and a half sacks, 25 QB hits. So the sacks were definitely there for Judon. And he was just, he, he was an awesome, awesome player this year. I mean, even just outside of the sacks too. He was an animal during Patriots camp. And when it just seemed like Judon, with not in wing system, was more of that, hey, you're going to be a conventional edge rusher and you're just going to do you. Therefore, you can be more valuable. Yeah, but I still think it brings va- – I still think one of those top edge guys brings a, like just as much value in a wink defense, but his sack numbers may not be yeah. as much because then, okay, that guy's going to garner the double teams, but you're yeah. getting uh, unblocked guys and you're, and you're looking like – you know, it's like they're ready for your blitzes, but they also don't want to ignore the best pass rusher on your team. So, um, a, a true edge rusher does wonders for any defense, but yep. also wink, Wink's defense. Yeah. So those are the. That's the who do I have more confidence in? I guess, and I didn't right. really give a full answer. I'm excited for <laughs> Kafka. Don't get me wrong. I'm very excited for Kafka. Um, but it's if just confidence, like okay, well, Wink's done it, so I, I have more confidence in Wink, even though I I might I probably be a little more excited for Kafka too. But that's probably just because I love because offense, you know. I love. I'm more excited for Kafka because he's working with Dable. Yeah, like yeah, those two brains coming together. Right. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. Wow, I'm talking. Between the legs, 360 windmill, good. Wow, that's real good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on the NBA with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Hold on. Do you want to know what's a can't-miss bet? Windmill 360 dunk of a bet? Uh, the Nets versus the Knicks because they haven't beat us in 752 days now. That and just hey, use your brain on a on a on a player bet, bet the over, and then when the Knicks are down by 25 points in the fourth quarter, bet the other team to win, and you will win a lot of money. What a game! I mean, Cam Thomas is that dude. I mean, it's uh. You know they were they were blowing us out, and I you know I got out in front of the tweet, uh, you know out in front of it. And I was like, wow, you know it's 
It's been 751 days since the Knicks will beat the Nets, but I think it's going to happen tonight. And that was and a genuine tweet. You weren't being a jerk, right? No, I was definitely trolling a little bit, like throwing in the 750 days, you know. But I was kind of, I was, I was giving, I was yeah, you conceding were accepting defeat. defeat. Yeah, like we, I mean, we're missing our three best players, you know, and our better players are new to the team, so. But uh, the Nets won. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code JOHNBOY. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code JOHNBOY at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 plus and physically present in New York. Eligibility restrictions apply. Minimum $5, minimum $5 deposit. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full details. Gambling protocol call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. So we do in the draft, you know, the offseason DraftKings ads, we get a little basketball takes in there, which means we have a lot more new people than we did last year. And I can't wait for the comments being like, by the way, why were all the Knicks fans cheering when the Nets scored? That didn't make any sense in Madison Square Garden. Anyways, next question. Next question from Chris at Chris Kennedy underscore 25. What position coach was your favorite hire and which one was your least favorite hire? So I'm not doing like about like the value of that position coach, you know, yep. where it's like, you know, like O-line coach is much more value, but it's just like, I think this guy is the most qualified best at his job at his position. So I'm not giving bias to like, you know, QB coach or, or DB coach over, over, you know, inside linebacker coach. I mean, to me, it's gotta be Andre Patterson, the D-line coach, right? I mean, he's beloved in Minnesota. He's been around for a long time. He was the assistant head coach, you know, uh, co-defensive coordinator. People wanted him to get a head coach interview with the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, they like were like really upset that they lost him. I mean, it, and he seems, and he just seems like an awesome guy when you listen to him and listen to him talk. Like Andre Patterson, the D line coach from the Vikings, seems like that to me. To me, it seems like the easy. It's the easiest answer, and unless unless you fell in love with some of the Shea Tierney stuff from as a QB coach. Who's our edge rusher, outside linebackers coach? Uh, Drew Wilkins, who Wink Martindale did say is a superstar no one knows about, so that could be it. And they've worked with some young guys. So Drew Wilkins was the other one I was thinking about. Any concern for, you know, now that you put together the list of names that are on the defense side of the ball, you're excited about D-line coach, you're excited about outside linebacker coach, and it's not a hire, but the guy that I'm most excited that's still here is Jerome Henderson. The fact that we can have that stability in the secondary yeah. when when I have a feeling instability is coming to the secondary. Are we a little concerned that not a lot of positional hires make us that excited on the offense side of the ball? I think it's there's there's not a lot of guys well, I will say the guys who have had like real like Mike Grow, the wide receiver coach, I think he's a pretty exciting one. Like he had the Eagle he was the Eagles offensive coordinator. Oh, that that is true. Yeah. You know, Mike Grow. Um, and he didn't suck as the offense coordinator. The right? answer of, to the one that I don't, I like the the most, which is a little disappointing for what I do, and, and it's not to knock him, but it's Bobby Johnson, the offensive line coach. I mean, I mean, we talked with Anthony at the Bills, and they talked like we we're not like sad to see him go, hmm. you know. And that's coming from a team that's winning, where everything always seems better than it is, you know. Like it's like when you're losing, it's never really as bad as the fans yeah. may say. And then when you're winning, it's never as good, you know, where, you know, a guy like Bobby Johnson could be overrated where they, they're not totally missing him. Um, you know, and again, position coaches, it's a lot of speculation because you don't know exactly what they're doing. And, you know, a lot, sometimes it's Jimmy's and Joe's not X's and O's. Um, but mm. Bob, I just felt like there was, there was maybe some more slam dunk hires out, out there besides Bobby Johnson, the O-line yeah. coach. All right. 
Not and it's, and it's not to discredit Bobby Johnson, but it's more like maybe throw the bag at like Mike Munchak or something. Yeah, do it. All right. Next question. What's your most the one you dislike the most? I I'm kind of laissez faire on it. If, is that just fine say if like I say that? DeAndre Carter, running back coach. Just give, yeah, give, us, give us something. Sure. He, just here's your reasoning. He's never coached in the NFL. He's only been college, and he bounced around a lot. But I said I said that I liked that though. I liked that he can speak the language of a lot of these younger guys. I said that I liked out of all the positions that I would be like, okay, college coach, let's go. Who's the inside linebacker coach? John Agorgu, who uh, was from Vandy, and he worked with both Brian Dable and Wink Martindale. Tough last name. Can't really say it that well. Not fully excited. How about that? So catching catching strays, but I like Andre Patterson. Mike Grow, I think, is underrated. Actually, no, just say Andy Biscoff, the tight end coach, because that's the position coach we're going to talk about the least. Yeah. Okay, that's it. Like, yeah. how often we never talked about the tight end coach, even when Freddie Kitchens was a tight end coach. We Forgot didn't talk that about that tight ends even existed. First, like Evan Ingram was dropping every pass, and we never like put any blame on Freddie Kitchens. Tough. It's because we love Joe Judge. Screw everything in 2020. Screw everything else that was going wrong. We love Joe Judge. R.I. Nick. At Nick R. L. 10. Sure. The badass pictures of when Justin Pennick and Bobby Skinner played football surfaced online recently. wonder who put them out. TMZ. Name one of your favorite memories when you guys played. Thanks. Thank you. I'll let you go first. Man, if you devalue the significance of your playing days, then mine definitely are. I stopped playing after my freshman year of high school. Um, went to a really good high school for football, thought I could do it, didn't do it, and turns out I didn't grow past six foot. So what what offer was I going to get if even if I played at a really good school and I started? So I had a really good game freshman year against Union City that I remember. And I was, I was uh, notoriously known for being an offensive lineman growing up. And then they put me on the D-line because I was smaller and I was faster. We ran a 3-4, which was annoying. You so are I was, sneaky fast. I, am I sneaky fast? Yeah, like I know your forty time video. It's like, oh, he ran a, well, you it's know, a three, pro day three, stuff. Three, three, but, two, whatever. But just watching you run, it's like, oh, Justin can actually run. run. Like when you tackled that dummy, you kind of approached. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Like you, you're, you're sneak. Like I bet you're faster than me, which I guess I'm really slow. Well, so that's quick. Not much of a I mean, uh, I, I took pride in being a, a player that was very, very good in shorts, but it was the, it was the mean streak that I was lacking, and I have a feeling we're the opposite. You did not lack the mean streak, but maybe you didn't look the best in shorts. Is that correct? I look pretty good in shorts, but I did have the means. And Wes Locke says it's DeAndre Smith, not Carter, the running back coach. Sure. I totally screwed that up. Well, you know, I'm I'm here for whatever. So there was one. I'll tell you about one rep. This was in Pop Warner. Tells you how low I'm really reaching here. Pop Warner. I'm on the defensive line. Again, not really notoriously known for being on the defensive line. Wasn't very good. High school, I got better. But anyway, guy was holding me all day. And I was getting pissed off. So I remembered a trick that my father taught me to say, if a guy's holding you, do this. But don't do it often because it's illegal. So I saw that he was leaning and he was holding me. So I opened up my hips, slapped him in the ear hole, and went down on all fours. <laughs> it's one of my best memories. Guess what he didn't do for the rest of the game? Didn't hold, hold you. Didn't hold me. Hey, how about that? Um, Mine. I'll say college, I didn't get a lot of great memories. There's some good memories in there, but not like some great memories. Um, 
There's two that stick out. My senior year, I was matched up with a D1 guy. I mean, he was talking all this shit before the game. Talking like, I want 58, I want 58. Mm-hmm. And just dominated in the whole game. And he continued, like, he continued talking. Like, I actually played with him in the All-Star game. where I have a picture with him. We became friends after that. But, like, in the third quarter, we're up, like, his team sucked, but he was good. We're up, like, 28-0, and he's still, like, on the other like, Stonewall, Stonewall. And it's like, we're running right through your, st- like, we're looking him in the <laughs> eye and just making fun of him. Like, like your Stonewall sucks. And on the second play of that game, I pancaked him. And I just, I don't know, like the energy just got me. And I just start uppercutting him like right, like just brought the energy all game and just like, like just dominated him from snap, uh, snap one to like, you know, snap 60 or whatever it was. And then he beat me on a one-on-one in all-star practice. And he's like, he said, he said like, I'm putting that on my highlight tape. And I, I hit him back with like, you are my highlight tape. <laughs> I forgot That's what good. his name was. Like, I, I have a picture with him. Uh, you know, like we were friendly in the all, like he was on my team for the all star game. Speaking of ass kicking, did you see that clip of that Penn State tackle pancake somebody and then did a did a quick two pump tea bag on the guy? Yeah, I also saw a video of that left tackle from uh, uh, Lance Zerline who got beat and he literally turns around and he yells at the quarterback, "Throw it, throw it!" <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to find that clip because that guy is just a character. Like, literally, like, jumping up and down, like, waving his arm, like, throw it! Throw it! You're getting murdered. <laughs> uh-huh, so that... My other one was my sophomore year, which I didn't play football until fr- my freshman year. I played JV. Mm-hmm. And then in the spring football, I went... I Varsity, and I started. And in the spring game, I got benched. I was just bad. You know, I was new to football. I was bad. I was just kind of big. And then I just put in work all off season. So that first game of my sophomore year, and I was just... I was good. So it was very exciting because, like, okay, I don't suck. You know, that was very, like, my worry all offseason is, like, I'm going to suck. Um, you know, so that. And then when we we clinched our playoff uh, berth my sophomore year, like, that was a wild game. We beat the crap out of them. And honestly, we were just acting like a bunch of thugs. Like, we had a brawl out there. Sure. I punched a dude. Uh, it was their homecoming at halftime, and we're literally, like, hooting and hollering at, like, you know, the girls going around. I mean, we were... We were uh we brought the heat that day. You were you were a rambunctious bunch. We sure were. I don't know who would fight you. It's football, what, man. It's not a smart decision. I've lost some fights. Really? Yes, I really. I could see somebody much shorter than you having an advantage over you. Like much shorter than you. In a in a fight or Yeah. Like MMA, just I mean, I'm not kick your I'm legs. Not say, yeah, I'm saying if there's some great short fighter, yeah, but it's not going to be an advantage. It'd just be they'd be a way better fighter. Which mm-hmm. I haven't have I haven't been in a fight in like eight nine years. Like I probably lost it. Like you know, I probably lose every fight probably I lost, have right you now. Lost your luster. Yeah, tough. Probably be tired after like twenty seconds. It's it's been a minute since I've been in a fight too. Fadi dot H dot Junior at Junior underscore Giants. Where would you rank Evan Neal among the 2020 tackles? Drafted Thomas Wills Worth Specton. This is so tough, and what part of it is like I've kind of grown as getting better at evaluating these guys, you know, and, and look for different things now. Um, so if we're just we're, if we're like getting rid of injuries, so get rid of Mekhi Becton's injuries. I think I'd say Becton won. Like talking yeah. about just draft prospects, I would say Thomas two, Neil three. Worf's four and Will's five. 
And that's and people are like worse four, but it's like that's how good all these guys were as prospects. You know, like worse had never vertical set it, you know, like um you know worse and was then, gonna be then, a guard. Yeah, and, and Becton was just Becton is nuts, you know, and then now looking at it with hindsight, like, oh, he can do this at the NFL level. He still has some stuff to clean up in his pass protection. But it's like but you can see he has the ability to be really good at it. Um Maybe he's not the hardest worker in the world, which seems to be coming out of Jets. Yeah, camp. it's tough. Yeah, he may that, he like may not be on the team next year. Yeah, it's kind of been wild. But just as like prospect, Becton would be one. So I would Neil would be third. Neil just leaves so much to be desired in the run game at times. And I don't think he's overly athletic. Where those other three guys are overly, you athletic. run the he's, the NFL. You run the ball to the right side more than left. So I would almost say. You can get help in pass blocking as a right tackle, and if your quarterback's a righty, then he can sense the pressure. So I almost feel like you have to be just as good, if not a little bit better of a run blocker than you are a pass blocker as a right tackle. Right? Maybe? Eh, pass blocking is king, but probably more important on the right side. Left All right, side. Um, Justin, before uh, before we hit the next question... It's a segment that we forgot. That we have. We've only done once this off season. Whoa! Cue the music. It's time for Giant Stories. This segment where we look at Giants players' Instagram stories and we get a. Uh, we spend about five minutes. You know, it's our it's our wacky segment. That's really not that wacky. This is now. This is two weeks backloading because we missed it last week. All right. Cue the music. Billy Price had some venison, made it himself. Reggie Raglan, uh, he went to the Chiefs-Bengals game. This is how far back it went. Caden Smith had a boat day. Darius Slate was at a car show. Jabril Peppers was in Viva Las Vegas. Rodarius Williams was with Jaw Rule. I think Jaw Rule has a store in New York because Kadarius Tony took a picture with him earlier that had the same exact uh, location. Kenny Galladay was on a helicopter in where? Hawaii. Austin Johnson was at a dinosaur land, which is really cool. A great activity for the kids. Reggie Ragman again went bowling. Xavier McKinney was rollerblading. Sandro Platzkammer was at Universal Studios in California. Andrew Thomas bought a house. Congrats, Andrew Thomas. Lorenzo Carter was at the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder game at Madison Square Garden. And Gary Brightwell released his new song, Deepest Fear. And Justin had the most rude reply to that in the world that Gary Brightwell didn't deserve. And then row P, lot one, terminal A. I put that note for where the rental car was at the Pensacola airport on the Giant Stories notes. That's app. how far back we're going? Yeah. All right, Justin, what piques your interest? Jabril Peppers, Las Vegas. Is he going to be a Raider? Makes sense. No, because they have Jonathan Abrams already. Ah, doesn't make sense. Yeah. Which we have a Peppers question. I think it's next, actually, from Tim Coffey, which is... Um, I'm a Peppers guy, but I'm actually going to answer it. But anyways, what what else piques your interest? Jordan Whitehead's a free agent from the Bucks, who I would love, but we have safeties. Um, Reggie Ragland going bowling. I'm a sucker for bowling. Um, Austin Johnson at a dinosaur park. Fun. It's a great place to take kids as one of those dinosaur lands. Yes. Sandra went to the Super Bowl. That's why he was in Universal Studios, California. And there's something else. Oh, here's something what I think I'm thinking of. Do we think there's going to be any Giants that will be on Giant Stories next week that were at the Daytona 500? Yeah, Antonio Williams obviously will. Oh well, yeah. Be there. Oh, my rude comment. 
thought it was funny. It was funny, but it was rude. Gary Brightwell releases a song called The Biggest Fear, and I replied, bias, just interviewed him. Wasn't well, true, anyways. Um, and Gary Brightwell's biggest fear is Antonio Williams taking his job. That is true. 100%. That has to be true. Yeah. I mean, you just, like, said the biggest fear of every NFL player. Like, it's a horrible reality for NFL players that are on the... On All the- right, listen. Relax. <clears throat> Billy Price made some venison. Have you ever had venison? It's deer, right? Yeah. Yes, I have had venison. It's good. It's yeah. pretty good. I ate alligator on uh, on Sunday. How, how was that presented? Alligator's good. I've had it before. How was that presented, though? Does it look like regular meat? It looks like fried. It looks like uh, like popcorn chicken bites. But it's from the tail. It's the gator tail. There's this place called Lone Cabbage and and Coco. Whenever you do come down here for a Daytona, like yep. we're gonna go hang out. It's an awesome place. They're playing country music, like and like good old country music. You know, mm-hmm. not That's like you know 2010s like songs we you would own. Like I knew most of the songs. It's like an outside tiki bar. You can there's airboat rides. I mean. We we went on Sunday and it was like I hadn't been there in like over ten years and I was like I forgot how awesome this place was so Lone Cabbage and Coco if you're uh, in the area go check it out love that uh, Andrew Andrew Thomas bought a house congrats and it's in Atlanta though or yeah. in Georgia somewhere in Georgia happy for him yeah happy for Andrew Thomas all right Justin uh got a few more questions let's do this next question then you can read the ad. All right, next question comes from Tim Coffey. If you were Joe Shane, what would your evaluation of Peppers be after the hiring of Wink Martindale? Now, Peppers, I don't I want I don't think he's going to resign regardless unless it was some cheap deal. But I want to ask you, do you think Peppers is a great fit for the Wink Martindale defense? Kind of, yeah. I mean, it depends on man. Cuz they run single high, right? But I feel like yes. he could be. I feel like they, he can be like this money backer that's in the box, and he goes back to what he did in 2019 and 2020. I feel like he could go back to that. But is that Wink Martindale style? Here's the issue: is that and Patrick like it's he would. I think he'd be a great situational fit. And I love right. Peppers. You know, I defend Peppers when people trash him. Like he doesn't deserve that some of the hate he got. But Peppers um, deserves more than 60% of the snaps, which is what I feel like he would get in Wink Martindale's Yes, system. because he's not going to be the single high safety. You know, he's not going to be that guy. And and Wink Martindale's defense, you're going to have to play a lot of man coverage. And his man coverage isn't as bad as everyone makes it out to be, but it's also not a strong suit. You know, so you're going to be have a lot more man coverage reps um, where I think he would be valued as that money backer role. But he's Jabril Peppers, like you said, isn't a 60, play 60% of the snaps type player. He's a played 90% of the tap snap size player. So he needs to go to, you know, a single high cover three base team. That's, yeah. you know, blitzes, but is, you know, using him in the blitzes. So there would be, Jabril Peppers would have amazing plays in the Baltimore rate and Wink Martindale's defense. They would be awesome plays, but I feel like he just, I don't know how much you can trust him in man coverage where he wants, where Wink wants to play more dime defense. Now you could play them as that big linebacker, um, but also like you have to worry about run fits and stuff. So, and Julian um, Love can be that situational guy, which he was in 2019. Like he took Jabril Peppers' job once Jabril Peppers got hurt in 2019 with James Betcher. And Julian Love was like, oh, we finally gave this guy playing time and he was physical in the box. And I, I said you can this. You trust him co- playing man coverage more than you can Peppers? I, I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. I, I don't think Julian Love's strength is coverage. I think his strength is his ability to tackle. 
Um, but he can play better man coverage than Jabril Pepper. I mean, Jabri- Julian Love roots her as a corner. Right, right. So I trust that Julian Love can fill that situational role not better than Jabril Peppers, but it's just it just makes more sense than Jabril Peppers because Julian Love's already here. Yeah, and it's just like Peppers is going to get a contract. And Peppers is coming off injury, you know, where if he wasn't coming off injury, yeah. maybe it's a little tougher decision. But, you know, um, now Peppers was top five in safeties for tackles for a loss and QB hits and, and you know, pass deflections, you know. So, like, people acting like, oh, like, he's not horrible in coverage. He's not great in coverage, but he's not horrible in coverage. Like, he, you know, people... Like the like the Falcons game, he had that gave up that long pass to Kyle Pitts at the end of the game. Like, see, Kyle, like, Jabril Pepper sucks in coverage. It's like, well, let's look at all the other reps where Kyle Pitts had one catch for like four yards. How about that? You know, a guy who set the tight end receiving record. How, how about Jabril Peppers holding that guy to two catches? You know, and being put in, in a decent amount of man coverage situations. How about that? You know, we used to get killed by tight ends before. Shout out Landon Collins. Like, how many games? Over the last three years, have we just been murked by tight ends? There's some games in there, but we haven't been murked by tight ends the way yep. we used to be. Absolutely. All right, Bobby Skinner. I'm going to go turn my AC on while you read this ad. I have good it's news. It's Florida, man. It's 80s. Well, I have good news from Masterworks. Bobby Skinner said last week when we were in Alabama. Was that last? No, I'm sorry. That was two weeks ago. Sheesh. Time is rolling by, but Masterworks, they were fine with Bobby's acronym for NFTs, which was nasty effing tatas they were okay with it but i'm not gonna have him say it again because it's kind of weird kind of inappropriate i was watching the news this week and i saw a scary report that the sea levels are rising and my anxiety went up that my apocalyptic anxiety brain went up that the world might be coming to an end so you want to know what i'm going to start investing in nfts virtual stocks virtual value not just the physical money stuff I want to start getting into stocks, crypto, and even art with our friends from Masterworks. We can invest like the GOAT of football, used to play for Tampa Bay, with Masterworks. It's the investing platform that lets you buy shares representing an investment in art from icons like Picasso, Monet, Warhol. I'm an old soul, and I'm getting older in my soul as the days go on, as the weeks go on, as the years go on, I may want to invest in art and be bougie, especially I'll, I'll borrow Bobby Skinner's $500,000 salary. And even greater, art prices outpace the S&P 500 by 164% from 1992 to 2021. In fact, early investors already received over 30% IRR 2020 and 2021 from the sale of two paintings. So this is your opportunity to join 300 other members and invest like a goat. Get priority access with their game day promo. Just go to masterworks.com. Oh, just go to masterworks.art slash giants. That's masterworks.art slash giants. See important disclosures at masterworks.io slash disclaimer. Bobby Skinner, I was telling everybody how I have a fear because I saw a news report that sea levels are rising and environmental things do scare me. So we may be we may get to a point one day in our world where we're just stuck inside and we're hermits and the environment may kill us. And it would be great to have NFTs and to own virtual art. I'm kind of for that now. Do you need some help reading? I saw, I heard you're struggling. Maybe I should yeah, that handle was, that going forward. You know forward. what? I know you're you're probably a little sensitive that I sometimes poke fun at you, <laughs> but you really struggled with draft kicks. I struggled with one part. Today? And it, and it was, no, not today, in general. No, 
Bull crap. That's a that's a damn ass lie. It's a damn ass lie. All right. We have two questions left. Next one. Don't you ask from him, Mister Reed Boy? John G. Who John? Giants fan, fan of, the of the year. Fan of the year. Yeah. What's his What's his What's his user? Padrino Tortuga. There you go. I didn't even have to look at it. You Good don't. Even you. Have, you can't read it when you're looking at it. I can read it when I I'm don't not have my looking glasses at it. on. Who will it hurt the most to unfollow after they're cut this offseason? So if what uh, Superfan John is referring to is that our Instagram, uh, the Talking Giants Instagram, there's a couple of stragglers of people we follow, friends of the show, but we really keep it strict to only players on the Giants roster. You know, like it hurt this pit unfollow on BJ Hill when we traded him. Um, So there's not really any unfollows where it's like I'm really going to miss like their Instagram stories maybe Jabril but you know which one's going to hurt the most Justin and this we were talking about this post show the other day about how we're going to do our PPP schedules because this player has let off our PPPs every year in the end for training camp hitting unfollow on Sterling Shepard is going to hurt mm, yep and I'll probably go follow him for my personal just so like you know my personal account where I'm not worried about only be following a certain amount of people you know only following certain people so I'll probably have to um, Sterling. I mean, it's, it's got to be Sterling Shepard, right? If and if yeah. and if they cut Nick Gates, which I know people have thrown out there, but they shouldn't <laughs> do. Uh, I wouldn't unfollow him because he's a friend of the no. show. No, no, you can't. Any player who follows us, we're not going to unfollow. Like I think no. we're still following Chad Slade. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Shepel hurt longest tenured Giant, a guy that's always just done things the right way, worked hard, easy guy to root for. You know, even despite you know all the injuries and stuff like that, I mean, he's good too. He's not he's not a bad player. He's good. Oh, he's too. good. I mean, I mean, he caught eighty percent of his catches for. Yeah, and he changed. You know, he kind of changed the way that he played. I feel like post Odell and post Eli, kind of changed the way that he played the game to really become like this possession receiver, and it's worked when he's on the field. So, yeah, Shep Shep is going to hurt. For me, it'll hurt. Brad Bradbury's going to hurt. Bradbury's really going to hurt because I love. I love stopping explosive plays on the defense side of the ball. It sounds so weird and corny and nerdy, but I do. And 2020 was really, really fun. And having a top-tier corner, watching him have that all-pro year was really, really fun. Or, you know, near all-pro year was really, really fun. And the fact that we're probably going to move on from him in some way, shape, or form hurts. Hope they can make it work, but don't think they will. I don't know why it's being, as a foregone conclusion, that Bradbury's gone. Maybe I'm wrong and I'm being ignorant. But why is it a foregone conclusion that we're getting rid of one of our best players? I don't I Who's young? It wasn't until I talked to Patricia Trania where she kind of sold me a little bit more on it. Almost made it sound like he's more likely than Blake, which I don't agree with, but No, I don't think any I think if you're gonna do one, you kinda have to do both. I'm pretty frustrated that Logan Ryan is basically st- stuck here because of his cap hit. And, you know, it wouldn't make sense to move on from him where, you know, he came in at the same time, but he obviously got the extension after year one because he only signed yeah. a one-year con. I'm frustrated because he would be the easiest one for me. Out of, like After Saquon, yeah. he'd be the easiest guy to move on from, and we can't. And he's, I mean, you think we move ma- him back to corner? No, but we talked about Jabril Peppers in the Wink Martindale defense. I think he's going to be playing in the box, and he's going to be playing man coverage, where I actually <sighs> think Wink, I think he's – I think he's – if you would have said under Patrick Graham, who would I value more, Logan Ryan or Jabril Peppers? It would be Jabril Peppers. I know a lot of people are going to disagree with that, but I believe that. 
Um, in a Wink Martindale, I'm gonna I'm gonna value Logan Ryan more because there's gonna be more man coverage opportunities, more blitzing from the corner spot. You know, he's gonna like he's gonna play some nickel corner reps, but he yeah. won't he won't just move back to corner. He's gonna be he's gonna be the strong safety on the team. Okay. So I actually actually you know now that I'm talking about it. I'm actually kind of excited to see Logan Ryan and Wink Martindale's defense, even though we're not and when even though we're not, you know, next year's not necessarily about winning the most games. Fair, fair. So maybe I'm Logan Ryan. I'm, I'm sell excited me. to see. Say that? Maybe next. Maybe we're talking about cutting cap on this episode next year, and I'm like, you can't move on from Logan Ryan after the season he just had. Yeah. So actually, you know what? I do, I just totally changed the changed the script in my head. Logan Ryan, we got to keep this guy around. I love that. Yes. Right for the last question. He's a leader, too. And as a leader, uh, Logan Ryan's a leader. I will say, no, but you, I think you just said that sarcastically. If we're going to be bringing in young corners this year, and Aaron Robinson's still in development, Rodarius Williams is going to be a guy that's still in development, um, Logan Ryan is big for that. And it's not just a Jonathan Stewart thing. Like, Logan Ryan can also yeah, play the true. game of football. That is fair. That's That's fair. All right, so yeah, let's stop. Let me get off my my anti Logan Ryan uh, agenda yeah. that I had. So actually, I'm I'm actually excited for Logan Ryan and the Wink Martindale defense. All right, last question. It's a doozy. Trade Saquon. Giants record is 0 and 0. I believe the Knicks record is 25 and 34. That's the record that he has in his bio. At Saquon for a second, that user is not taken. It's now taken. Sam Beal, thoughts? Shout out Big Blue Kickoff Live. I thought about, I actually set an alarm for noon every day this week because I was going to call in the Big Blue Kickoff Live. And I want to tell you, ask, and I will let you, your reaction, the Patreon chat's reaction, and all tweets at me before noon uh, tell me how I should do this. I was going to call in the Big Blue Kickoff, if Paul Dottino's on, which he was, I was going to call in and phrase it under talking about Daniel Jones. And I was like, hey, Hey guys, hey Paul. Um, you know this quarterback. He was brought in to replace Eli Manning. You know, lofty expectations, but you know they they drafted this guy for a reason. I, the offensive line hasn't been good. You know, we can add some offensive line here. You know, maybe guys like Gany, Galladay and Tony here. So, Paul, do you still think Davis Webb can be the franchise QB for the New York Giants? That's a great. That's that's fine. But it's funnier in my head than I think it would actually play out. So I haven't done it. I. I knew immediately where you were going with it. I knew immediately where, and I think everybody listening immediately knew, knew yeah, where you were going. Yeah, because you guys know it. that I'm going calling in to mess around. But if you didn't, you just like, you know, they get those type of calls all the time. I would just want to see how he would answer it. How right, would I'll Paul answer it? All right, I'll, if, he's on, if he's on the Friday Big Blue Kickoff Live, I'll do it. Like, how would he walk back? I mean, he's not going to walk back what he said. He's just not going to acknowledge it. That he yeah, they're not going. Yeah, they're going to be like, "What?" It like, won't like be a Sal from Queens, who's a listener, has called in the Big Blue Cookoff Live, and they just are like, like he asked if they're going to do like a ceremony for Alex Tanny. <laughs> there was really one funny one. I think we retweeted it where like they're asking about Saquon's girth. They're like, "What?" It was like, and, they, and it was like his friend. They called back. It was actually a pretty good one-two punch by them. Um, so anyways, yeah. All right. Have a good good weekend, everybody. All right, everyone. Have a good weekend.
next podcast is Tuesday. We already recorded the interview with Jordan Renan of ESPN. It actually went like over an hour. So I don't want to see any freaking YouTube comments saying how long it is. It's a podcast. No one says no one comments that anymore. Oh, oh, I've I've gotten a few, and it's because I respond to them, and that's why you don't see them. No, I go through the I responders to see what you say to people. Yeah, because you know I get more mad at YouTube comments than you do. Yeah, I actually that's like a form of entertainment when I was like I'm, you know, like taking a dump. I'm like, all right, let me look at the I responded and see what Justin said to people. Um, so. All right, so we'll be back on Tuesday. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy Daytona this weekend. Enjoy the NBA All-Star festivities. Enjoy President's Day. And make sure to vote for us in the next uh, election cycle. We appreciate you guys. Enjoy your weekend. Until the next one, let's go Big Blue.